Welcome to Advisor Talk with Frank LaRosa. Brought to you by Elite Consulting Partners, it's the only podcast offering unfiltered guidance and direct advice for all things concerning financial advisors, RIAs, and the practitioners in the wealth management business. Learn more and subscribe today at EliteConsultingPartners.com slash podcast. And now, here's your host, Frank LaRosa. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Advisor Talk with Frank LaRosa. I am your host, Frank LaRosa, and I have a very special guest with me today on our interview series, Manish DeVay from Ameriprise. He's the Senior Vice President of Business Development. I've known Manish for many years and just never had him on. I'm like, what a great guy to have on during this period of time. So what's going on, Manish? Welcome to the show. Hey, Frank. It's great to see you. hope you're doing well and hope your family's safe and uh, everyone around you is doing well. God willing, we are all doing well and healthy, and I appreciate the same to you. I see your your family in the background there, making me feel a little guilty that I don't I don't have any of those pictures behind me. But I guess I can change that. So you got some very important people behind you. So that's uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, family, wife, and kids is important, right? Absolutely. For those of you joining us for the first time, welcome to the show. The idea of advisor talk is really to bring you inside a conversation with senior leadership, thought leaders in the industry, and just enjoy a conversation. We'll take it for this particular topic. We're going to go all over the place a little bit. We'll talk a little bit about COVID and recruiting technology and some of the new models that are out there. But we hope you enjoy the conversation and we appreciate it. If you're a first-time listener, welcome to the show. We promise that this will be a very informative conversation. So with that said, Manish, there might be some people, I know it might be hard to believe, but there might be some people that don't know Ameriprise like the way I know Ameriprise. And a lot of the great things about the firm, they might have some misnomers about it over the many, 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 many years ago. And so without sort of going back to grade school, let's just start our our conversation with giving us a a sort of a 10,000 foot level of Ameriprise and the evolution, at least maybe over the last 10 years, because because since I've been working with Ameriprise, that's where I've seen some of the biggest evolution. And then we'll get into some of the Q&A stuff. Absolutely, Frank. And it's hard to talk about where you're going unless you know about where you've been. And I'm not going to go back 125 years when Ameriprise has been around, but I'll take you back at least the last 10 years. And you're right. It's been a dramatic transformation that we've been doing at the firm in terms of really investing billions of dollars and really enhancing our capabilities for our advisors and our clients. And so what that's meant is a dramatic expansion of our platforms, whether it's our products, our technology, our marketing systems, just all the capabilities that we have for our advisors to really grow their business and to serve clients better through an advice-based value proposition. And so that's enabled us to get much more competitive, at least in my role of bringing you advisors in throughout the industry. I know we've done some of that together over the years. And as you've seen, what I'm proud about is at this point, we're bringing some of the best quality advisors in the industry to our firm. We're really proud about that. But over the last 10 years, it's been quite a journey, a lot of investment in resources and people, technology, but it's fun to see the transformation of the firm. But you're right. There's a lot of people who may have a view of what Ameriprise was 15, 20, 30 years ago. And when they really come, spend some time to check out the firm, learn the story, meet the people, they kind of walk away realizing that their perceptions were very different than the reality. So for those of you that may not know, in my past, when I work with financial advisors and we bring up the idea of exploring Ameriprise, we get some pushback, but only because of what they thought they knew from like 20 years ago. And what we usually tell people is, look, give them a chance. You should see their technology. And we'll get into some of the technology in a little bit because it's outstanding. 
But hear the story, see the people, talk to the people at the firm and understand. And almost, I'll say, I'll be conservative by not saying 10 out of 10, maybe 9 out of 10 people come back after uh, meetings or visits and are blown away and like, wow, I didn't know that. It's a great feeling that we have. Obviously, would love to do more of it. But I think that that's one of the biggest things that I think advisors are not, they're doing themselves a disservice personally by not having the conversation. So I really appreciate that. So let's sort of dive into some of the topics du jour right now. One of them being obviously with COVID, sort of a changing in a very short period of time, really changing our industry, changing how we do things, changing how we operate. Some firms more than others, right? If you're at a wirehouse firm, really changing because of the limitations on technology and stuff like that. Maybe talk a little bit about how Ameriprise has been able to deal with COVID as it relates to your different channels, which we'll get into later on, but your different channels, your retail advisors and your independent advisors, and maybe how you're helping them with their practices with their clients, because obviously this came at it nowhere with everybody. So love to hear from you. Yeah, no doubt, Frank. I would love to be able to say that we were planning for a pandemic, but we clearly did not know that this was coming. Uh, like most people had to adjust very quickly. Yeah, when the CDC guidance came out around social distancing and in kind of mid-March, our executive team made the decision over the weekend that we were to go 100% virtual. And by probably by Tuesday of the following week, 98% of Ameriprise was running virtually. So whether it's our W-2 financial advisors who affiliate to one of our 135 branches across the country or our 1099 advisors, they've always been equipped with laptops, both the advisors, the staff. It was as simple as taking out your laptop and making sure that was home and then making sure your home environment was working. But as I mentioned earlier, I mean, from the billions of dollars of investments that we've made in technology, we've already been working with clients in a virtual setting. And so doing Skype meetings or WebEx meetings was something that we were very accustomed to having that technology. Now, we went from probably um, lower utilization to much higher levels of utilization because that's the way we had to do business. And advisors, obviously, during those weeks, right through March and early April when the volatility was the heaviest. I mean, those systems got put to the test, but they came through with really flying colors. And when I was talking to some of my friends and colleagues at other firms, it just wasn't the case. And so what I think we saw was the utilization of technology really increased dramatically for both advisors and clients. We can talk more about it in terms of response we've gotten from clients. I just got a report the other day where we've seen an increase of clients using our client app by 70% and the web traffic up by 50% during mid-March to kind of the summer timeframe. And so it's now, to me, it's all about, one, you got to have the capabilities and the tools and technologies out there. It's just now the utilization is what we're seeing just kind of going off the charts. Right. Why don't we stay out? We'll jump around a little bit. And why don't we stay on technology then for a minute, which we were going to talk about. But a lot of your technology, and this is one of the things that I will say 10 out of 10 times, an advisor engages with Ameriprise that they're shocked with. And that is the technology that you have and the advisors have at their fingertips. And I agree with you that before COVID, to say that we offer Skype or Zoom or whatever it is, it was like, okay, how is that going to help my business? But ask advisors that are at firms like Morgan Stanley, where they weren't allowed to do any of that stuff, and it took them a month to figure that out, that would really hurt them. Maybe talk about the capabilities within your technology suite that allow advisors to continue to grow and expand their businesses with e-cig and tablets and laptops 
and how everything is integrated together because I think that's a critical piece where firms that weren't prepared for that stuff, things still had to be done manually or more manually than other firms, really put advisors behind the eight ball. What I have found is that advisors that have embraced technology during this thing have just been crushing it in terms of bringing on assets. So how have your advisors been using that technology? Maybe just talk a little bit about your technology suite. The two questions that we hear from whether advisors at Ameriprise or advisors looking at Ameriprise are, how can I deliver a premium client experience in a really seamless way leveraging technology? And how can I run my business easier at Ameriprise? Those are the two kind of questions that kind of distill where it really comes from from a technology standpoint. And when you kind of break that down, so let's think about it more from the running my practice standpoint. So running your practice means everything is up in the cloud. So all documents that you're working with your staff, your team, the home office, all the forms. When we say paperless, it's not like filling out forms and then scanning them in and putting them in the cloud. Everything is done paperlessly, digitally, and then stored up in the cloud, going right to the corporate office. And even things, simple things like when you submit an ACAP form or a new business form, we have this thing called status manager, where instead of advisors calling into the home office and saying, where is my format? Just like you do when you're tracking a package or you buy something from Amazon and click on a case number and find out exactly where it is, which is a big improvement for the service experience for whether it's a staff or an advisor. If a staff person or an advisor has a question and they want to quickly chat with a service person, they can pull up on their desktop and just open up a chat box and do that. Or they can reserve a time to kind of go and have, just like you would do if your iPhone broke and you needed to connect with Apple, it's having that type of mindset around how you support the advisor doing business. So I can carry that forward to performance reporting, to our CRM, to all the different elements where you can have all these great technologies. Frank, but the hard part and the expensive part really is how do you stitch them all together in an integrated way? So our advisors have one single sign-on that logs into all the systems. The systems actually talk to each other and they're secure, which is another big thing too. We're all at home and you're kind of thinking about is stuff staying on your home server versus the corporate server? None of that's kind of an issue here because all of that's done kind of in the Ameriprise cloud. So you could do it kind of integrated, secure, and all of that way. On the client side, there's a lot of stuff. I mean, like 95% plus of our forms are e-signature enabled. Clients can do business with us anywhere on any device, anytime. And so whether that's, I mean, when I've got to send a form with my advisor, I literally get an email, pops into my iPhone. I just sign doing an e-signature thing on my phone and return it back. There's no faxing documents or overnighting things. And that's kind of a foreign concept for our advisors here at the firm. And so all of those things carry forward to our desktop and our client site where clients can look at all of their assets. They could see it all aggregated to, we've got a thing called Total View where they could see assets outside of Ameriprise. It's updated in real time. So there's just a lot of collaborative ways that clients can engage with their money, but also their advisor that we certainly, it's a personal business, but the technology really aids in making it a really great experience. All right. Awesome. Let's pivot then, right? Because we've been talking about advisors and clients. We are, at least I am, my main business is recruiting, right? And moving advisors from from A to firm. You and I both, Frank. Exactly. And look, we all are about finding the right firm for the right advisors for their clients. In this market, in this environment, maybe for the first month or two during COVID, things basically came to a standstill until people figured out what was what. Talk a little bit about how 
this change in the business in the environment with COVID has affected Ameriprise recruiting and sort of recruiting? And where do you see the opportunities for additional recruiting? Like, where do you see this environment? You hate to say that there's opportunities in, with bad situations because we all know somebody at this point that's been touched by COVID in one form or another. And it's crazy, some of the stuff you hear. But the reality is business keeps moving. You have to keep moving your business forward. If you're a financial advisor, you have to keep moving your business forward and your agenda forward. And if you're not at the right firm and you know it, using COVID as an excuse not to leave is an excuse. It just means you just don't feel like doing the work to make the move. How has it affected Ameriprise and where do you see the opportunities? Frank, if I go back to mid-March, which feels like, you know, sitting here in late September, like eons ago, I got to tell you, I haven't been in our industry for 23 years. And like you, I'm seeing lots of different crises kind of impact our business. I didn't know. I didn't know how this would be different compared to other situations that we've been faced with as an industry. And I kind of saw the range. I saw actually some practices join us in late March, some large practices join us in late March and have very successful transitions. And then we all saw, I think, across the industry, kind of April, most of March and April really kind of just come to a screeching halt because everyone was really, rightfully so, really worried about safety and just making sure that they're taking care of the things that are most important in our lives. But what we saw there was after we got through kind of advisors managing clients through the short-term kind of market volatility in mid-March through early April, we kind of went back to a little bit of business unusual. Business was okay, the markets kind of, we start to see the, the kind of comeback in markets and clients or advisors were repositioning portfolios. And then there was time because we all slowed down in life and we had time to spend time with our families. And then we also had other time to do now that I think uh, most of the client needs were attended to. And you know, we started to see advisors really start to poke out and to start entertaining discussions and doing due diligence. And that's where we as a firm put our entire recruiting process online. So we worked feverishly over the weeks to move everything from all of our in-person events to moving them all in different virtual venues. And so in a real safe and secure and convenient environment, I like to say an advisor could kind of, he or she could sit in their den and do due diligence on a firm without having to leave the comfort of their own house. And whether the timing was right or wrong, they at least got to get that information. So we put more than five times of the advisor, the volume that we used to put through the kind of the in-person events that we would do through these virtual events. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. We're actually driving more scale. And then we started seeing people join us. And most of the people that joined us were people who we met pre-COVID. And they kind of started to join us in May. And then in June, we started seeing people join us who we never met before, who we met through the way we're talking to right now. And since mid-March to as we sit right now, 146 practices have joined our firm. If you would have told me that mid-March, I would have called the under on that because I didn't know what was going to happen. But what we're seeing is it's just the capabilities of our firm, the differentiators of who we are, are really stark in an environment like this. And we're having success. And we can talk more about that. But that's not just offer up. And I just had a conversation with somebody today. I was talking about our clients that have moved during this period of time. I'm sure you probably have the numbers on this question. Maybe this is a leading question, but I know what the answer is already. So, because it's a general answer, it has nothing to do with Ameriprise necessarily, but although your transition teams are really good, have you seen an actual increase in the success rate of advisors moving their clients, not only with the number of clients, but the speed at which they transition 
their clients to your firm since COVID? The short answer is yes. And we've done a, a lot to benchmark actually how Ameriprise ranks in terms of the success of advisors moving assets and ramping up their business. We've been best in class in that for years as we've been benchmarking that with McLagan and other industry kind of sources. But what we've seen most recently, no surprise here is as you go through a crisis of any magnitude, advisors, especially the best advisors, stay very close to their clients. And that being said, when you're transitioning during this time, you're very close to your clients. Clients are all home or close to home or close to a phone right now. As we all know, there's a lot of limitations on travel. What we're finding is not only is, as I mentioned, there's great success in the volumes of people coming over, but the success of them being able to connect with their clients, tell the story of why they moved, why they joined a firm like Ameriprise, what we have to offer, and then back that up with real capabilities that clients are experiencing is got not only clients really satisfied, but advisors satisfied as well. And so it's been really a nice win. And and in fact, we recently just got a 96% satisfaction survey results back from clients, not just of advisors that moved, but in our total client satisfaction survey, which I think is another testimonial to the satisfaction that we're able to deliver and the experience that we're able to deliver for clients with our whole kind of integrated experience of giving clients, obviously, they know they're a great advisor, but really surrounding that with great technology and a great experience. Yeah, great. I actually, it's interesting that my experience so far with advisors, and we've moved a bunch of them during this period of time. The one thing that I don't think anyone anticipated is the fact that advisors can't go out and see the new client. So when you're, if you're an advisor listening to this and you're thinking about leaving, remember I said this. When you make a move, your accounts get divvied up to the advisors in the office, which aren't in the office anymore. They're spread out. Some firms are coming back to the offices, right? But the biggest key to this thing is that, especially for your good clients, that advisor, that inheriting advisor, is not going to really have a good chance to go out and meet with your client in order to retain that account. And so the easiest thing to do for your client, for their peace of mind, is just to move with you because they know you. They don't want to meet somebody during COVID. They certainly don't want to get to know anyone new. We're seeing a huge increase in success of transition. So let's pivot for a few minutes. There's been a lot of talk about new models. I did an interview with Rich Steinmeier from LPL. I'm sure you know Rich. He's a great guy. You know, It's a big industry, but a small street. Stewart Partners has a model that's sort of like supported independence. They have a build-out branches. LPL is going to build out this new employee model. This will maybe give you a chance to sort of explain a little bit about what the models that Ameriprise has is. But how do you see Ameriprise sort of taking advantage of sort of this new direction that firms are going in, and they're going in this direction because of a need? There is a lot of advisors stuck at big wirehouse type firms that just don't want to be there anymore, but they also don't necessarily want to go completely independent or to an RIA or something to that effect. They want something else. And so these firms are rolling out these new models and there's different iterations of them. But maybe talk a little bit about how Ameriprise addresses some of those needs for those types of advisors and really specifically talk about how your two different channels operate. It's actually been fun to watch the evolution of our industry over the last decade. And I'm a big fan of seeing other models come to market. And I've always said, Frank, to advisors that if you're thinking about making a move, never go to a firm that has one channel. It's just not 
the right place? And do you need to have a firm that gives you flexibility? So it's a firm that you never have to outgrow. And we realized that many years ago here at Ameriprise. We know that there's a lot of advisors in the industry who really look for independence and want to be not just a great practitioner, but also want to be the proprietor of a business and a small business owner. And that means all the things from managing real estate to staff to payroll benefits, all the things that you come into being a really effective small business owner. And some people love that. And then there's the whole other part of the industry that doesn't really like that. And they love the confines of going into an office and having that energy and not having to worry about anything except for making sure that they're doing right by their clients and they're delivering other things they need to to run their business. And so I think advisor choice is a really important thing. I mean, we at Ameriprise feel like we've kind of struck the ultimate advisor partnership in that we allow our advisors to be really entrepreneurial, really independent within either a W-2 arrangement or a 1099 arrangement. And we also have our growing financial institutions business, which serves banks and credit unions across the country. In either one of those environments, you really have that supported aspect where there's a partnership between the firm and the advisor, and they get to determine what kind of affiliation they want. And they have the flexibility to move across those platforms as they see fit. Having a 1099 channel makes our W-2 channel better and vice versa. And that's where I go back to having those capabilities. Why does it make each side better? It's a check and balance, Frank, on our business. And so if we just had a W-2 business and no 1099 business, we wouldn't have a check and balance. Knowing that we have a 1099 business and we make our W-2 business really restrictive and really constrained, we know advisors will either go to our 1099 channel or go to another 1099 channel in the industry. It will force us to make sure that our W-2 business can really promote retention of those that are looking to do some things that maybe want more flexibility and vice versa. I think it's a healthy thing. Now, it's not easy to stand up a W-2 channel. As you know, being in the business for many years and running businesses yourself on the W-2 side, you know that business. And whether that's managing the real estate, the staff, the employment issue, all the things that come with running a W-2 channel in a business is also not for the faint at heart. We feel like we're in a nice position of strength here, having choice for advisors, but we welcome competition as well. So I call this sort of the lily pad approach where an advisor, they understand they need to get out of the culture that they're in. They like the culture that maybe that Ameriprise has. They go to a W-2 office. It's a nice transition. You certainly have a lot more flexibility than a lot of wirehouse firms out there and maybe some regional firms as well. And they decide now they're ready to sort of go to the independent route. They can go from your, what's called the P1 channel, which is your employee model. And they go to what's the P2 channel, which is your independent model. They can transition at any time. There's some firms out there that have a waiting list and, oh, no, you got to put your time in and you got to kiss the ring and you got to do all these things to go that way because they really don't want you to go that way. I'm not going to name any firm names, but we probably all can guess who that is. How easy is that transition? Because that's an important piece. If an advisor can come to the W-2 side and then when they're ready, when they feel strong enough and maybe they have a little more scale and size, they can go to the independent side without getting into the weeds. How easy is that transition? Is it a total repapering of their book or is it not? So the short answer on the transition between platforms is, Frank, if you're a W-2 and you want to go 1099, on a Friday, basically it's a change of your address. You're now in a new location and there's an update of your address. There's no repapering, there's no re anything else. It's a press of a button and all of a sudden you're now on the 1099 side of our business. So if you go on a Friday, on a Monday, 
you're a 1099 employee and you're just, you're out of the old branch and you're into your new location. Now, to back you up a minute though, sitting where I sit, leading the bringing of advisors for all the different channels and being channel agnostic, I usually sit down with advisors and really ask them the question, what are you really looking for? Why do you really want to go independent? It may be sometimes a cultural thing around a branch that they're looking to get away from, but you and I would probably agree once we kind of go back the onion eight to nine times out of 10, it becomes economic. And that's one where I kind of also challenge people because a lot of times people focus on the overall gross payout of the industry. And certainly we have very competitive gross payouts in the high 80s, 90s in our independent channel. But I tend to really get people to focus in on what their net payout is. I say it's all about the net. Yeah. And I think that's the part of it where then, and what my experience has been over the years that aside from if you're in a low real estate and a low labor cost place, I mean, the nets, the differential in the economics really aren't as dramatic as some would think. And really it gets down to where do you want to spend your time? Do you want to spend your time on the business of your clients and growing that or the business of both your clients and the overall business? But that's, again, those are the kind of the fun conversations we have with lots of advisors who may not be sure which way they want to go. And meeting with one of our regional directors of recruiting, actually, who are also like me, channel agnostic, don't really care which way people go. They can have that real confidential conversation to get into what's the best choice for them. Awesome. So in the interest of time, I want to get to one final question because it's a big bugaboo for me in the industry. And I talk to advisors about this all the time. And usually their answer is, oh, I don't have anything or I didn't think about that or whatever. A lot of people talk about succession planning. That's a huge buzzword. Everyone loves to talk about succession planning, but they're missing a huge piece. In their minds, it's succession planning. Well, when I retire, what is my book going to be? I had this conversation today with somebody. When I retire, when I retire, when I retire. One of the concerns that I have is advisors with a lack of a contingent succession plan. Okay, great. So you have a succession plan maybe down the road. What happens if six months from now you have a heart attack or I hate to say it, but knock out, you get COVID and die. I just was listening to a podcast and the person had just lost their mom who died in six days. So how do you guys address these issues? And we're talking about the lily pad effect. But now this final lily pad thing is that is succession plan retirement. But this bigger issue is about contingent successors, an advisor, almost a financial planner doing financial planning for themselves. How do you guys address that with your advisors? I think it's a really important issue. No one talks about it enough. I couldn't agree with you more. I always just am amazed when I see the industry statistics of the percentage of advisors in our industry who don't have a succession plan, a formal succession plan in place. To me, you've run a successful practice for decades. It's the equivalent. You use some analogies. I'll use one too. It's like having a really nice house and not having home insurance. Why do you not have insurance on your home? And for many advisors, their practice could be the largest asset on their balance sheet and to not protect their own lives and their own livelihoods and their estates is just kind of mind-boggling. And we in Ameriprise have been working with that for years. And so I'll give you the number of ways that we do that. And it's something we're really proud of. Whether you're on the 1099 side or the W-2 side, we have buy-sell agreements in place. And in fact, if the advisor does not have a formal buy-sell in place, as long as they sign an agreement with a firm, we will then make sure that we will find the estate. Because you know what happens when, if you don't have a buy-sell in place, then the multiple starts dropping down like a rock very quickly, no matter what the circumstance is. We will actually then pre-negotiate and have a pre-negotiated 
formula or multiple for that practice so that no matter what happens to the advisor, if God forbid he or she finds himself in a situation like the ones you talked about, we're going to find a buyer for that at a fixed multiple. Now, they can also find a person that they want to have on their own, and they can identify that and have their own buy-sell in place. But that's kind of a backstop for those advisors who don't identify a formal succession plan. On the W-2 side of our business, it's the same thing where there's benefits that the advisor has around either the company will pay the estate a fixed price for the book of business, and that's included as part of a benefit for the advisor, or they'll have a sunset provision in place. So we also have a very aggressive practice acquisition program for outside practices. And that, as you know, if you've gone through the last six months, a lot of advisors that maybe we're thinking about a time horizon of three to five years, that now may be like three to six months because this pandemic has taken a lot of just juice out of everybody. People are really exhausted. And now that markets have kind of rebounded, we're back to market highs. I think the topic that you're bringing up is going to become more more important. So that's what we do. I try to challenge advisors to say, if you're not in a really good environment where you can be the beneficiary of practices and buying practices, you really think long and hard about where you're at. And if you're not in an environment where it's very conducive to set up a buy-sell agreement or to set up some type of a legacy plan, you really need to start thinking about doing some due diligence on some alternatives. I know one of the things that separates Ameriprise from a lot of firms is when you talk about advisor acquisition, you actually help front the money and help with the acquisition capital for the acquiring advisor. I think that you're right, which is why this is an important issue for me, that there's a lot of advisors that are tired. Well, they're tired of dealing with whatever they're dealing with, but some advisors that have been in business a long time and they've been home with their kids or grandkids and they're experiencing life again, they're starting to rethink, I hate to be corny, but rethink the meaning of life and what they're doing and how much time they have left on this planet. And so a lot of this stuff's coming up. And I talk to advisors, actually trademarked a term dual monetization. And that is effectively when an advisor transitions to another firm, takes a deal, they're going to get paid. They're going to have sort of like a, not really a liquidity event, but they're going to get paid a transition bonus and then work with that existing firm now to then sell the book to an advisor at that existing firm. So now they're monetizing the business twice. I just hear a lot of times I'm talking to wirehouse guys, well, I'm thinking about just taking the deal at this firm. Well, why? You're not going to retire for seven, eight years, nine years. You still have a lot of running room and they're not giving you the right multiple. Make a move, go to a great firm, those firms will set you up. You'll get paid again. So I also have a saying, it's not about the money, but it's about the money. It's a smart vantage point, which is if you are in the last 10 years of your career, obviously you want to think about how do you set your business up in the right place so that I always call it the grocery store or the restaurant conversation. So when you see your clients, your former clients in the grocery store or a restaurant, you're going to be happy talking to them versus kind of looking to run the other way. And so you want to set them up in a really good place. But at the same time, you want to extract the value for your life's work. And there's nothing wrong with that. And also putting your team in a really good place so that they're in a place where they can also thrive for the next 10, 15, 20 years that they've got left to develop in the industry. So I couldn't agree with you more. And I think it really goes back to to people doing their due diligence right now and making sure they're aware of what their options are in the industry. Great. Awesome. So last thing, and thank you very much for your time. I appreciate it going a little bit long, but this was a great conversation. So I really appreciate it. 
So in terms of talking about options, so if you guys heard any parting last words and advisors listening to this podcast or watching us on YouTube, Advisor Talk with Frank LaRosa, and they're thinking about making a move, what would you say are the two or three points that an advisor should look and explore Ameriprise as their next destination? I would have probably also offered up not just those advisors who are thinking about making a move, but even those that aren't, I would say, well, first off, there's no wrong answers here. And so there's a lot of people that are moving during this pandemic and they feel like they're willing to kind of cross that bridge and, and move their business. And that's right. It works right for them. And there's a lot of people who believe that that's not right for them and that's okay. So there's no kind of perfect answer on this. But what I do encourage people to do is do your due diligence. And we all do have, you said it, this pandemic has forced us to kind of slow down, think about what's important, but we also have a little bit more time than we used to have since we're not kind of running to the next meeting, meeting somebody outside for a cup of coffee. And so the question is, what do you do for that time? I do think that sitting back and really assessing your business plan and saying, where am I? Where do I want to be? And who could help me get there? I think that's a really valuable exercise. And you can sit at home and actually do due diligence, learn about other firms and offerings. And in my years of being in this business, I can basically distill it down to a simple equation, Frank, of making a decision to move. There's two variables in this equation. There's the value proposition. There's like, what's Ameriprise and what makes us different compared to every other firm? What's our culture like? What are our financials? What are our capabilities, our technology, our products? All of the things that I would say make Ameriprise different. And then there's the economics. What's the total economic package? What's the payouts? What's the transition? What are we going to do ongoing? And there's got to be a, a right balance there. It's just like if you were an advisor or when I was an advisor and someone came into my office and they said, Manish, wow, you're going to do all these things for me, but you're going to charge me 3%. That's not the right balance. But they said, you're going to do all these things and you're going to pay a really fair asset management fee. That feels like a really good value for what I'm going to get. And I think that's where if advisors are just thinking of only about economics, then they may shortchange themselves on the capabilities of what they may get out of the industry. And if you're just thinking about industry and culture and capabilities, but you're feeling like you're getting shortchanged on economics, that's not a really good balance either. At Ameriprise, we're trying to strike that right balance where we feel like we've built, like I said, that ultimate advisor partnership where we can deliver a great premium client experience for their clients, deliver them to run a really efficient and effective practice. And then on the other side, be able to be very competitive when it gets to the economics. And we feel like that equation is leading to kind of a winning hand. And we appreciate the partnership, Frank, and the time that you gave us here today. Awesome. Well, listen, I appreciate the time. Thank you very much for this. This was great. We covered a bunch of different things, which was great. Usually we only cover like one topic and we could go on for hours, but I really appreciate it. For those of you listening, we hope you enjoyed the conversation. If you have any questions or would like to speak to someone at Ameriprise, obviously DM me. Or you can shoot me an email at frank at leakconsultingpartners.com and also leave a comment, questions. We'd be happy to answer them. We'll get back to you with information. We covered a lot of stuff. Manish has been in the business a long time, as you said, 20 plus years, 23 years. So we've seen a lot of stuff. I was laughing because you talked about charging 3%. A lot of people that are listening to this podcast have never been in the business before where we were actually charging 3% on an advisory account. <laughs> that shows where the industry's changing and why advisors have to pivot and continually think about their future. That stuff happens. So anyway, thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate it. I know it was a short notice as well. So this was awesome. I appreciate the conversation. And for everybody listening, we look forward to you our next call. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Advisor Talk with Frank LaRosa. 
If you're looking for more advice or solutions on any topics in the financial services industry, or you just want to subscribe to our podcast, head on over to EliteConsultingPartners.com slash podcasts.